Welcome to another episode of Running for the Roses. After a week off last week, we are back continuing our conference previews. I'm Ryan Bav Lucas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Uh Lucas, how are you doing this uh, July afternoon? I'm doing really, really well. We had our first taste of media days. The SEC was this week, the Big 12, the conference we're going to be previewing. Uh, was doing their media days last week. Once again, just excitement very much building uh, here with just a few weeks before we even start uh, fall camp for a lot of these teams. Yeah, I listened to Brian Kelly uh, yesterday. I listened to a little bit of Kirby. I caught some of Zach Arnett live. I, I, uh, I worked from home today and kind of had it on. About. I, I, I can watch that stuff all day. I mean, I, I can watch the, the, the random coach press conference where he gets the same six questions about, you know, replacing your quarterback and, you know, who's looking good and NIL. And I, I can watch that stuff all, 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 uh, all day. And, and the SEC, they're in Nashville, um, and they seem to be bigger than ever. Uh, they're going to be in Dallas next year, the league announced, with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. Um, I thought Brett Yormark uh, at what Big 12 Media Days came across very well um, indeed as well. So uh, Lucas mentioned it. Uh, we did the ACC a couple weeks ago, had some scheduling uh, conflicts last week, so weren't able to record last week. But starting with the Big 12, uh, we'll continue our conference previews leading up to week zero, which is a little over uh, a month away, which is which is mm-hmm. really, really exciting. We, we, we cannot wait for week zero. We, we get USC, we get Vanderbilt. Uh, we get Notre Dame in Ireland, so it should be a lot of fun. All right, Lucas, you ready for the Big 12, the, the chaotic Big 12? Yeah, the Big 14 for one year. I'm excited yeah. to uh, go so, through it. The Big 12 uh, is has so many interesting storylines. Lucas mentioned it. Four new teams enter the league. It's BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. Uh, you have TCU, national runner-up a season ago. Kansas State is your defending champion. And, oh, by the way, Texas and Oklahoma, this will be their last season in the league. Steve Sarkeesian in year three at Texas. Uh, And let's start there. Uh, The Texas Longhorns, they, along with Oklahoma, have the highest over-under win total at FanDuel. So we will start with the the last season in the Big 12 Conference for Texas. Eight and five in Steve Sarkeesian's third, uh, second year in Austin. A loss in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, to the Washington Huskies. Uh, for Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, the home schedule, uh, they'll get Rice, Wyoming, uh, Kansas, Oklahoma. That game will be in Dallas, mm-hmm. along with BYU, Kansas State, Texas Tech. On the road, they'll go at Alabama in the return game uh, in from what was a really, really fun one last season in Austin. They'll also play Baylor, Houston, TCU, and Iowa State. Lucas, year three for Steve Sarkeesian. It's a big one. You have Quinn Ewers back. You lose a lot in the backfield, but you have Xavier Worthy back. They should be really, really solid um, at wide receiver. Uh, your impressions of Texas and, and kind of where this program is under Steve Sarkeesian now? Oh, spoiler alert. So the last couple of years, I've tried to tame tame my expectations on Texas. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. I yeah. It, this team should win the Big 12, and I think should be a national title contender this year. And I know this is going to get, someone's going to clip this, it's going to be old takes exposed because I do not trust Texas at all, but there is no reason that they should. And you kind of mentioned some of those names, guys like Xavier Worthy, Jordan Winnington, they also got Adani Mitchell, a wide receiver uh, transfer from Georgia, who had a really good game in the national title game. You have uh, 
Um, you know, Quinn Ewers uh, should be improved. Uh, inter- I've listened to a recent Steve Sarkeesian interview about Quinn Ewers, and he had said guys who are in their second year in his system usually excel pretty well from year one to year two. So excited to see that. They might have one of the best offensive lines in the country. This is a defense that improved drastically last year and brings a lot of firepower back on that side of the ball. If you're Texas, is this, is this the most excited you've been since maybe year three, year two of Tom Herman a few years ago? Or do we go all the way back to Mac Brown? Because I think they could be that good this season. It probably has to go to Mac Brown. I agree with you. I think this is the best. This is the best roster in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it's going to depend on what you get from Quinn Ewers. Uh, he was just under 60% completion percentage last year, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, had a lot of up and down games, right? They had a lot of turnover against Oklahoma state, got injured uh, against Alabama, wasn't able to finish the game. And that quarterback room might be the deepest in the country, right? Malik Murphy looked really good in the spring game. Arch Manning has all of the hype. Only question mark for Texas on offense really is, is can you replace Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson? I think that'll be more of a committee approach. Guys like Caitlin Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter. Um, it should be the best receiving core maybe in the country, like Lucas mentioned the names, right? Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy. Jonte Cooks, a five-star freshman, was in for a spring they really like as well. So um, on paper, it's the best roster. And, you know, when you look at the schedule, you do get Oklahoma. Uh, you play five. Uh, you only play four true Big 12 road games. One of them is Iowa State. Houston, Baylor, also in-state. Um, I, I think this sets up really, really nicely for Texas this year. And, and it, it's a big one, right? We, we kind of mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Like, this could be their last really good chance at a conference championship and a playoff berth in a while. Because it, it could take a couple years to transition to the SEC to get used to playing who you're going to play. So, um, Lucas, I think I know where you're going with this. The over-under at FanDuel, 9.5. The over is minus 134. The under is plus 110. Uh, are you going over or under nine and a half for Texas? Uh, I think uh, I would be doing myself a disservice if I pick the the under because I don't think yeah. a, a nine and three Texas team is going to win the Big Twelve. No, I'm going over. I think ten, eleven wins. You were mentioning the schedule. Obviously, that a tough early non season or early non conference game on the road in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. That's going to have so many intriguing storylines going in there. You're going to have this ascending Texas team. Versus an Alabama team that we have a lot of question marks for the first time in a while. But then you look at the rest of the Big 12, I th- they're going to be favored, I think, in every game that they play in conference this season. So, yeah, over for me, 10.5 or 9.5. I think at worst this team is is 10-2, and two, maybe with an Alabama loss and one conference loss. But I think that is the floor for this team this season. I'm on the over as well. I mean, again, you look at the schedule. At Baylor, that should almost be a Texas home game. I mean, at Houston, could be 50-50 crowd. You get Kansas State, the rainy Big 12 champion at home. At TCU, Week 10, uh, again, or on, on uh, uh, November 11th, could be tricky. Um, you end the season with Texas Tech at home. It's an over for me as well. I, I, I think 10 wins is, is the floor for this team. I could see them beating Alabama in week two, really kicking off the hype train. And even if you lose to Alabama, I mean, I still think you've got a really good chance to only lose once in conference. If you do that, you hit this over. So um, I, it's a pretty easy over me. Uh, it's a pretty easy over for me uh, for Texas. Uh, let's get to Oklahoma. 
Texas's main rival. They will be joining the Longhorns in the SEC next year. Tough first year for Brent Venables. Uh, I'm not used to seeing the Oklahoma Sooners at six wins. Uh, they were six and seven in 2022, only three and six in conference, uh, a loss in the bowl game. Uh, Lucas, uh, interesting time for Oklahoma. I was listening to a podcast and they talked about could Oklahoma become the new Nebraska, right? Where Nebraska leaves the Big 12, they go to the Big 10, they chase the money. They put themselves at a really big geographical disadvantage in terms of where you get talent and travel and such. And they become kind of an afterthought in their conference. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Oklahoma already has its its challenges being Oklahoma, right? You play in Norman, Oklahoma. You're not going to get a ton of blue chip talent from the state. You've got to go into Texas now. Um, I'm really, really interested to see what year two looks like for Brent Venables, right? You're going to bring back Dylan Gabriel. Uh, you lose Eric Gray. You had th- uh, you had uh, two top three round picks gone on the offensive line. Three starters gone off the unit. You lose your top receiver. I'm very interested to see what Oklahoma looks like in 2023. I think it's a big year for Brent Venables. It's a huge year, and we were kind of talking about it at nauseum with with Texas during you know our spring previews and really when we reviewed last year. Both of these teams are going to be on the microscope one because they should be the mo- the two most talented teams in their conference, but they need to both go in with significant momentum and. Last year probably could not have gone more worse for Brent Venables than it did in year one. It was one of their worst seasons since I believe Bob Stoops took over six and seven. Now, they had a lot of issues. They had a ton of roster turnover with the coaching change. Their defense was an absolute mess, which I don't blame 100% on Brent Venables because it was kind of a mess before he got there. But the offense was still good. But then once uh, Dylan Gabriel went down... They had no answer uh, at quarterback, and their offense went uh, just completely sank in the couple of games that he had missed. So, yeah, it's it's a huge year, and I don't know if Oklahoma fans are going to be happy if they don't make the Big 12 title game again this season. Is eight wins, nine wins, which is an incremental improvement from what they were a year ago, good enough? Because uh, I think offensively they, they're going to have a ton of firepower. You mentioned Dylan Gabriel is back. When he was healthy last year, this offense averaged over 37 points per game, averaged over 500 yards per game. Jeff Levy, their offensive coordinator, I think is one of the best play callers in college football. I think the biggest question, and you're going to hear this a lot with the big, with a lot of these teams, I feel, in the Big 12. I think it's just kind of how the conference is built is can their defense incrementally improve? I do think they can because Brent Venables has proven that he can put Really, really good defenses together. They also have a top five recruiting class coming in this year that should help provide more depths and get more players that fit what Brent Venables wants to do. That being said, I do think I'm not I'm not as high on them as I am on Texas because Texas is now in year three under Steve Sarkeesian. I think are finally molding together. I still think this is a building year. I think they're better than they were last year, but I still think this is a building year for Brent Venables in Oklahoma. Lucas mentioned the defensive numbers for the Sooners. Last year, they were 99th in scoring defense, 119th in passing defense, 122nd in total defense. They allowed 41 points to Kansas State, 55 to TCU, 49 to Texas, 42 to Kansas, 38 to Baylor, 51 to Texas Tech. 
We're not used to seeing that from 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 Brent Menables. And it's interesting with a defensive-minded head coach. The offense was the strength of, of the team last year. And and you lose Marvin Mims. He was he was really, really good for them. Had over 1,000 yards to the NFL. Uh, Texas transfer Brandon Thompson. Michigan transfer Andrell Anthony um, will be a factor at wide receiver. Uh, Jaleel uh, Farouk likely to be their top returner. Um, like Lucas said, can you improve enough to be average defensively? And we're going to say it a lot because the Big 12, they love to score points. There's not a lot of defense. Can you take those numbers from the 100s to the 60s? Mm-hmm. If you can do that, I think you have a chance to have a successful season because as we look at the schedule here, they were supposed to play Georgia this year. The SEC removed that game from the schedule a couple years ago when Oklahoma announced its move to the conference. Your non-conference is Arkansas State, SMU at home at Tulsa. Uh, your home games in conference are Iowa State, UCF, West Virginia, and TCU. You played Texas in Dallas. The road schedule in conference is Cincinnati, Kansas, BYU, Oklahoma State. They, To me, it sounds like a very favorable draw. You get West Virginia, UCF, Iowa State at home. You get Cincinnati on the road, BYU on the road, Bedlam on the road should be tricky. Um over or under set at FanDuel is nine and a half, which was a lot to me. Over minus one ten, under minus one ten. Uh, Lucas, I'm going to take the under because I just I need to see it first. I I need to see Dylan Gabriel stay healthy. I need to see if they can replace Eric Gray, who rushed for a thousand yards last year. Marvin Mims, their top receiver, and and can you get anything close to an average defense? Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they win ten games. This isn't going to be a lock for me. I could I think nine and three or eight and four would be a pretty nice year too. You know, if you if you go nine and three and finish second or third in the conference, I, I think that's a pretty successful year too. Nine and a half just feels it feels too big for me. So I'm going to take the under nine and a half for Oklahoma. We are in agreement on that uh, for a yeah. lot of the points that you said. I, I'm taking the under two. I think eight and four, nine and three is much more plausible, just because I think it's just a huge leap uh, defensively that they do have to take. Now they did bring in, you know, a couple good transfers. They brought in, you know, Rondell Bothroyd from from Wake Forest. You started over yep. 30 games at the end there. They brought in Reggie Pearson. Well, I'm relatively familiar with, started his career at Wisconsin, started there, then transferred to Texas Tech and was like a three-year starter. So they do have some pieces. Woody, Woody Washington was really good for them at, at cornerback. He's back this year. So like you said, they can get a top 50, top 60-ish offense, which I think they have the talent for. Yes, this could hit potentially over. But um, I'm going to go with the under because you also mentioned, too, the road games, in my opinion, aren't um, super easy for them. When you look at – look, they should win at Cincinnati. I don't think – as we'll preview here, I don't think Cincinnati is going to be all that great. But at Kansas, the last time they played almost – they played at Kansas a couple years ago. That was the – they barely had to squeak out a win against a two-win team. At Oklahoma State, like you mentioned, Bedlam is going to be done after this year for the foreseeable future. You know Oklahoma State fans want to have that last crack at them uh, and win that game. And then also uh, Provo is never an easy spot uh, to play either. And it'll be the first time that Oklahoma will be going up there in quite some time. So, yeah, under for me for them. But like you said, they go 8-4, and 9-3. I think you can feel relatively good about the progression. Or maybe you don't if you're an Oklahoma fan. I'm not – I'm not too sure, but I think, yeah, 9-3, and three, I think, is the, the ceiling for me this year. 
All right, let's move on to the uh, the reigning conference champion. It's not TCU. People might uh, get that mistaken. It's Kansas State under Chris Kleiman, ten and four for the Wildcats in twenty twenty two, seven and two in conference, a uh, a Big Twelve championship for the Wildcats. They beat TCU last season. They did take a pretty big L in the Sugar Bowl to Alabama. Uh, you get Will Howard back um, after he kind of took the job from from uh, Adrian Martinez midway through last season. You do lose your leading rusher, Deuce Vaughn, an All-American over 1,500 yards last year. You do lose your leading wide receiver, Malik Knowles. You lose a a first-round draft pick off the defense. You lose a second-round defensive back off the defense. So uh, an interesting year for Chris Kleiman. Lucas and I have had the conversation about can you sustain it, right? We've seen some flash-in-the-pans years from teams that have won 10, 10 or 11 games. They've won a conference championship or a division. And then they fall back down to earth. They go seven and five or eight and four next year. Um, Kansas State has just been rock solid. It's been mm-hmm. a rock solid program in this conference for seemingly decades, right? Under under Bill Snyder, you had kind of some down years under Ron Prince, and then they they uh, they get back uh, with Chris Klein. And Lucas, your thoughts on uh, the Wildcats here entering twenty twenty three? I actually like Kansas State quite a bit. I think the fact that. Injury luck kind of worked in their favor. Obviously, Adrian Martinez started the year at quarterback. Will Howard, who had played a little bit the previous years, did not impress. He comes in when Adrian Martinez gets hurt, and Will Howard looks like a completely different quarterback, and this offense was much different when he took over. And the fact that he had that experience, and now he's coming back, he's going to have one of the best offensive lines in college football, um, led by you know their All-American left guard, uh, Cooper Beebe. I believe they had at least four starters come back um, from last year's team. Now, the biggest question mark, like you mentioned, they, they don't have Deuce Vaughn anymore, who I felt like was at Kansas State for the past, like, six or seven seasons. Just one of those yep. guys who was yep. just always productive. Um, but they did uh, bring in Treshawn Ward from Florida State. He was very productive for them last year. Going to be more of a running back by committee. And I just think, you know, they're going to figure it out, in my opinion, on defense. Since Kleiman's gotten there, They've always been really, really solid. They were a top 30 scoring defense last year. So I think even if maybe they backtrack a little bit on defense, I think that the, the offense, even without Deuce Vaughn, I think has a chance to be better than what they were a year ago. Yeah, just a, a solid program. Lucas mentioned the offensive line. 119 combined starts back uh, for Kansas State. Finished top 30 in scoring defense, 64th in total defense. Also a top 50 total offense, a top 15 Mm -hmm. rushing offense for Kansas State. One thing to note, early bye week for Kansas State, they have a week three bye week. So, uh, yeah, a week three bye week. week five, isn't it? Week five, thank you, sorry. So they will play, what, seven straight games. So a little earlier than you would hope. Um, All right, the over-under at FanDuel is seven and a half wins. The over is minus 180. The under is plus 146. The schedule for the Wildcats uh, in the non-conference, they'll host Southeast Missouri. They'll host Troy. They'll go at Missouri. In conference, the home games are UCF, TCU, Houston, Baylor, and Iowa State. So five home games for the Wildcats in the Big 12. On the road at OK State, uh, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, and Kansas. So some tricky road games. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas and Kansas, the over or under is at seven and a half. Lucas, what is your prediction? I'm going over for Kansas State. 
Now, I am a little bit worried with them, a little bit on the back end. I think they had like three guys from their secondary uh, picked uh, in the NFL draft this year, so it will be tough to replace that. But if they can kind of be a decent back there, I do think this is, at worst, probably like an eight-win team. Um, you mentioned that the non-conference I don't think is is too scary. Yes, they have to go on the road at Missouri, but that might be a game where they're actually favored at. And then they don't get Oklahoma on the schedule. They don't have to travel you know, way out uh, west to either BYU. I don't even believe they, they don't even go out to West Virginia. So they're nope. pretty centrally located um, from a, a scheduling perspective. I guess maybe the one worry I might have is you were talking about that early bye week at week five. Do they start to maybe lose gas towards the end, especially November when you have to go at Texas, first Baylor at Kansas, and finish up against Iowa State? Do you start to lose gas maybe there in November? But I think Chris Kleiman has got this program uh, on an upwards trajectory, and I just think this year 8-4 and four for me is kind of the, the floor for this team. So I'm going over 7.5. Yeah, we're three for three in agreement. I'm over as well. Um, I think this is one of those programs that you just expect at least seven wins every year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think six and six, five and seven, it's not really in the cards for Kansas State. Year in and year out, uh, they're extremely solid. You mentioned Treshawn Ward. They also brought in Iowa's top wide receiver, Keegan Johnson. Uh, You bring back slot receiver, Phillip Brooks, who had 45 catches last year. A lot back on the offensive line. And K-State's one of those programs, right? It's almost like the opposite of Texas, where Texas, you, you, you bet the over, you feel like you're hanging on for dear life. Kansas State, you bet the over, you just feel, you feel confident, 8-4, and 9-3. and three. I don't, I'm not going to predict another conference championship game appearance. I don't quite know if the ceiling's yeah. there. Um, but I, I think 8-4 and four is, is, a, is more likely uh, than 7-5. and five. Although, like you said, road game's kind of tricky, especially in the month of November. All right, let's get to the uh, the uh, defending uh, national runner-up. It's the TCU Horn Frogs, thirteen and two in twenty twenty-two. They were nine and zero in the regular season in the Big Twelve. A loss to Kansas State in the Big Twelve championship game. A win in a really fantastic Fiesta Bowl uh, college football playoff semifinal game over Michigan, and then just getting the doors blown off them against Georgia. Regardless, TCU really kind of went as far as a non-Blue Blood has ever gone, really. I mean, Oregon back in, I think, 2014 when they lost to Florida State, probably the closest one. But for TCU to jump out of the gate in Sonny Dykes' first year and go uh, 12-0 and in the regular season, really, really incredible. That being said, Lucas, heavy losses for this team. 123rd in returning production. You lose your Heisman finalist quarterback, Max Duggan, you lose your top two running backs, you lose your top three wide receivers, you lose your offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, uh, you lose a Jim Thorpe award winner in the secondary. It's going to be a blank slate for TCU in 2023. What are your thoughts on the Horn Frogs? Yeah, it's a it's a rebuilding job, but I feel like TCU, the situation feels very similar. I think a lot of people saw what happened in that national championship game and the guys that they lost and how they only won, you know, they, I think they were like 7-1 and one in one-score games last season. And I feel like this year's similar. I think people are expecting them a regression to the mean. That being said, I, I'm pretty high again on TCU. I was high on them last year. I think, yes, obviously losing their leader and quarterback, Max Duggan, is huge. But we have to remember, he was not the starter 
coming out of training camp last year. That was the guy that is going to be starting this year. Chandler Morris um, was the original starter, then got hurt in their opener against Colorado, and the rest is history. But they also brought back in, you know, Trey Sanders was one of the best uh, uh, running back prospects a couple of years ago. He transfers in from Alabama. I do worry a little bit about the receiver room. Um, that being said, uh, they're off line. There. Yeah, a lot, a lot of transfers there. Um, you know, they still have Savion Williams. They still have uh, Jarrett w- uh, Wiley. They got uh, Jalen Robinson from UCF, who was a very, very productive wide receiver there the last couple of years. And I think their offensive line is still uh, going to be solid, still bring a bunch of guys who have experience. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest key, like we we're talking about, is probably going to be the defense once again. This is a defense that was slightly improved. From a couple of years ago, you mentioned no more Travius Hodge Tomlinson, the Thorpe uh, Award winner. But his uh, counterpart on the other side, Josh Newton, was pretty darn good, too. His first team All-Big 12, he'll be back. Um, they bring in uh, a couple other decent transfers of there as well as, you know, they have two All-Big 12 linebackers. So I think they're going to – I think they could be surprise people again, which is crazy talking about a national runner-up. But I, I don't know if I see the regression as hard for TCU as a, a lot of other people. But I could be completely wrong on that. Yeah, uh, I think we might be on different sides here when we get to the over-under. But let me get the schedule here quickly. Uh, the home, uh, the non-conference, three home games for TCU. They'll host Colorado week one, big noon kickoff. Then uh, Nichols State and uh, SMU, uh, they will have uh, four Big 12 home games, West Virginia, BYU, Texas, Baylor. On the road, they will go to Houston, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. I'm going to take under 7.5 wins. Uh, 7.5, the over-under at FanDuel, over minus 144, under plus 118. I'm going to take the under. It, It was one that I had to think hard on. I wrote down under, and then in parentheses I put revisit after kind of I'm done with all of mine. Just because I, on one hand... The losses are just—it's just crazy to think mm-hmm. you 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 lose your best defensive back, you you lose maybe your two top on the defensive line, D. Winters and Dylan Horton, all of the losses on offense. Um, but like you said, you know Max Duggan wasn't the starting quarterback last year, and and you know the running backs weren't as well known. You also have a new offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley's gone. Uh, you know Max Duggan is gone. Interested to see what Chandler Morris can do. I was listening to, I think, the uh, the summer school episode with TCU's uh, writer, and they said Chandler Morris was a really good backup, a really respectable guy in the locker room last year after he got benched. So uh, we'll see. But I think the combination of the losses on the field and then I look at the road games at Oklahoma, at Texas Tech, who we'll get to next, at Kansas State, at Houston – you get Texas at home. The schedule doesn't do you any favors. You play kind of the other three teams in that top tier, at least the supposed top tier of the conference. So I'm going to go under. I think it's 7-5 and five or 6-6 six and six for TCU. I'm going to once again go over, which is now three overs, yep. so I now have to keep track. Uh, <laughs> and kind of catch myself Look, here. This but... is so positive. You just want every team to go nine and three. You want I every. Do. You want, you want one hundred and thirty-two bowl eligible teams come uh, come December. Hey, this is why the SEC only plays eight conference games, so then that can actually <laughs> become a reality. But no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. <clears throat> I just think when you look at their non-conference, 
you know, they don't play. Um, I don't believe a, a Power Five team. Uh, Colorado. In, in a, they play Colorado. Colorado. Play. But one of the worst from last year. Yes, one of the worst from last year. Colorado, nickel, uh, and then uh, they have SMU at home. And I think their first five or seven games are, are fairly favorable until they get to at Kansas State, and then they have a bye week, and then their schedule um, really gets tough from there on. Mm-hmm. I think if they're going into that bye either – seven and one or six and two, I think you feel pretty good about them potentially splitting those last four games. So, and I'm a Chandler Morris believer. I just think Sonny Dykes is kind of an offensive guru and that, that system I think is kind of plug and play. And they were very, very high on Chandler Morris going last year. Apparently in training camp last season, it was not a fair, it wasn't even that big of a competition. Uh, Chandler Morris had really won that outright. So I'm excited to see him play. So over for me, at seven and a half. I'm living and dying by the Horned Frogs um, uh, this year once again. Hey, you didn't you pick TCU to get to the championship game in the Big 12 last year? You did, I, right? I did. I did. Yeah. Yes. So Lucas is a true believer of the Horned Frogs. All right, <laughs> another team in Texas. It's uh, year two for Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. Not quite as a successful year one as TCU had with Sonny Dykes, but for Texas Tech terms, it was seven and five in the regular season, five and four in the Big Twelve, and a win over Ole Miss in the Texas Bowl. A really solid first year for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They beat Oklahoma, they beat Texas in year one. That's that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Oklahoma fifty one forty eight in overtime. They beat Texas also in overtime. Uh, and a move that I think, you know, Joey McGuire didn't get the, the, the kind of uh, notoriety of some of the other head coaches, but I think a lot of insiders close to Texas, especially the state, really like that hire for Texas Tech. Uh, the over-under for FanDuel is 7.5. We'll get to the schedule here a little later. Uh, Lucas, you have Tyler Showback, 8-1 uh, as a starter at Texas Tech. They return a lot at wide receiver. They return uh, their leading rusher. Uh, you got to get better on defense. Um, like we'll say for basically 13 of the 14 teams until we get to Iowa State, essentially. Um, <laughs> whatever you I mean, literally, it's like it Iowa State's is, like, yeah. look at the rankings. Like, I'll just give you Texas Tech's defensive rankings 93rd in scoring, 103rd in passing, 91st in rushing, and 108th total. Like, every team is going to be there. So, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Texas Tech? Kind of like you said, I think offensively, this is going to be a really, really fun uh, team to watch. You mentioned Tyler Shuck um, coming back. Uh, he comes in this year as the full-time starter last year. They, they split time with three different guys. Baron Morton, who started four games last year, does come back as the backup. And you know, eight of their top nine wide receivers are back, including Jaron Bradley and Xavier White. So this could be Phil Steele actually had them ranked as the number one wide receiving group in the Big 12. Which, if you're the number one... Really? Over uh, Texas? Wow. Yes. Hey, uh, he had them number one for the wide receiver group. And if that is the case in the Big 12, that means you're going to be one of the best wide receiving units in the country. Their offensive line has a combined 147 starts between all of them. Um, so they should be very, very good on that side of the ball. And you mentioned defensively, look, kind of like some of these teams, kind of similar to our Oklahoma. They can improve. They can be a top 60, a top 70 defense where they're maybe just average or even slightly below average. They can they can do some work. Now, they, they got to replace, you know, Tyree Wilson, 
who was a first-round draft pick, All-American defensive end. He is gone. However, he's the only starter on the defensive line that's there. Um, still got guys like Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford, who both were on all Big 12 teams last season. And so, to me, the offense should be explosive. And, you know, we'll get to the schedule. I think the schedule outside of that uh, non-conference game against Oregon, I think, could be very, very favorable for them as well. Yeah, let's get to it right now. Uh, the over-under at FanDuel is 7.5. The over is plus 118. The under, minus 144. Uh, for Texas Tech in the non-conference, they'll get Oregon and uh, Tartleton State at home. They'll go at Wyoming. The, uh, they'll have four Big 12 home games. They'll get Houston, Kansas State, TCU, UCF at home on the road. West Virginia, Baylor, BYU, Kansas, and Texas. Lucas, seven and a half wins. Uh, could it be another eight-win season for Joey McGuire? What do you think? I'm going to say yes. So now four or five over. Four out of five. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to the end. I think the, the bottom of the Big 12 might be really, really bad. So I think that helps a lot of these teams. But I just think you, know, you look at the schedule. I think this, this offense is going to be really, really fun to watch. I think the defense does improve just enough to kind of keep them in games where maybe they're not getting as many 40-point shootouts. But they have the offense to keep up with just about arguably anybody, I think, not just in the Big 12, but maybe in the country. And I think they get a look at the draw. They get no Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And they also yeah. draw three out of the new four teams that are in the league that are going to be making the transition from group of five to power five. And, um, and they, get bo- they get two of those teams at home. So uh, I think the schedule's very, very favorable for them. So I'm going to say, once again, kind of like Kansas State, I think eight and four is probably the ceiling. They were seven and five in the regular season last year. I do not see why they cannot do better than that this season, especially with the way the schedule shakes out. Yeah, I am uh, – God, I put under on my sheet. Now I'm kind of questioning it. You honestly <laughs> made a lot of really good points. I also look at the schedule. I am I think we'll get to I'm a little higher on Kansas and Baylor, I think. Mm-hmm. And you have, you're, you're at Baylor. You're at Kansas. You're at Texas. Uh, you, you get Kansas State at home. You're going to play West Virginia early, September 23rd, when they might still be, like, invested in the season. I would rather get West Virginia in November or October when Neil Brown might not be there anymore. I worry about the defense. 108th last year in total defense. You lose Tyree Wilson. You lose your leading tackler, Krishan Mayweather. And you lose uh, Marquise Marquise Waters, who had 13 tackles for loss last year. I'm going to go under, and I think we'll get to – I was almost afraid I had too many unders, to be honest – um, I think they lose or at Oregon, or I'm sorry, I think they lose against Oregon at Wyoming, you know, up on the plains, you never know. They open at Wyoming. Um, I think the early slate is favorable. West Virginia week four, Houston week five, Baylor week six, um, closing at Kansas home UCF at Texas, I, I think is, is going to be tricky. So I'm going to take under, I just think seven and five is, is more likely than eight and four, but it's, it's, it's close for me. So, all right, let's get to uh, let's get to Baylor. Mentioned them uh, a little bit ago. Six and seven for Dave Aranda's Baylor Bears. Four and five in the Big Twelve. Uh, it was a it was a rough year for Baylor. Three losses by six points or fewer. You ended the season with three straight losses, and you lose your bowl game to Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl. Um, 
the Baylor Bears have one road game before their bye week in week seven. Uh, they have a bit of a quarterback controversy with Blake Shapin and Sawyer Robertson. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to run the football better. They rushed for almost 30 fewer yards a game last season. Uh, four of your five offensive linemen are gone to graduation or the transfer portal. Uh, Dave Aranda's Baylor Bears, the Big 12 champions in 2021, six wins in 2022. Again, we talk about can you sustain it. Baylor was not able to last year. What are your thoughts on the Bears heading into 2023? Yeah, so I think with Baylor, one of the biggest things where they had their drop-off, their offense actually improved slightly last year with Blake Shippen at quarterback. It was the defense, which was so good in 2021. It was a top-10 scoring defense. They fell to 68th last year yeah. when they still had uh, a lot of starters. The biggest thing was with their defensive line. They went from 44 sacks in 2021 only to where they only had 24 in 2022, yep. and they lose their best defensive lineman from last year in Saki Ika, who's off to the NFL. They do return their other two starters uh, in TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall, but that's really the side of the ball that they really need to improve on, and Arana did address that. He brought in uh, Matt Powledge, um, he was the, the co-DC at Oregon last year to kind of change some things up. Uh, reading about them, it sounds like Aranda finally has kind of the guys to run the type of defense he wants to run, where the last couple of years they were kind of mixing matching what they did from the old regime. So that gives me hopeful. Um, they have a really, really good linebacker group. You know, I believe they're all three starters are coming back from there. And they also brought in you know good transfers on that side of the ball. Uh, Mike Smith from Liberty, who had 10 tackles for loss last year. And then I think offensively, I just trust uh, Jeff Grimes, no matter who the quarterback is. I think Jeff Grimes is one of the more underrated offensive coordinators for what the job he did at BYU. And like I said, the uh, last or two years ago when he took over that offense, it was one of the worst offenses in college football. And because of their progression was the big reason why they made it to the Big 12 title game. I think that will continue to improve. But like I said, biggest question for me is, is can that defense get back to some level of production like they were at in 2021? Yeah, defense that ranked 58th in total defense, 62nd against the run, 69th in scoring defense, like Lucas mentioned, 20 fewer sacks in 2022 as opposed to 2021. Interesting battle at quarterback Blake Shapin, over 2,700 yards through the air, 18 touchdowns completed over 63% of his passes. Um, Interesting to see if Sawyer Robertson will be able to push him. Uh, Richard Reese, they really like after a really nice freshman season, almost 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns is back. They also brought in uh, running back transfer Dominique Richardson, over 500 yards last year at Oklahoma State. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, a lot back on the offensive line. The Baylor Bears, only four true road games for the Bears in 2023. They are UCF, Cincinnati, Kansas State, TCU. The non-conference for the Bears, all three at home. They get Texas State, a big one against Utah in Week 2, Long Island. After that, they uh, have five home games in conference, Texas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Houston, and West Virginia. Uh, One road game before their bye week in Week 7. The over or under is 7.5 at Vandal. Over is plus 152. Under is minus 188, and I'm going to take the over. Um, I think Baylor and Texas Tech are really intriguing. I think it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if it's split in Texas Tech's 8-4 and Baylor's 6-6 six six or whatever it is, but 
I think the schedule sets up really nicely. You get Utah in week two coming off their game against Florida. I think that, I'm not going to say that's winnable, but that's a game where I, I don't, I'm not going to pin a loss for Baylor. I think that is a game that you can win. You do get Texas at home. You get Texas Tech at home, Houston at home, and West Virginia and Iowa State at home, right? And, and, and I think that's important. At Cincinnati, at UCF, we talk about, as we will get to later in the pod, most sports books are not high on the new entrance the Big 12 Conference, Kansas State, TCU as well. So I, I think 8-4 is pretty realistic for Dave Aranda. Uh, I think they can get back to running the football. They can get back to improving that defense a little bit, back to 2021. So I'm going to take over 7.5 for Baylor. So uh, disagreement with us once again. I'm going under 7.5. Uh, Surprising, you actually took an under. I thought when I first read this I was going to take the over. The only thing that slightly scares me is I do think that running back room is really, really good. For Baylor, my only worry is their offensive line. They do lose four starters, all of which were on all Big 12 teams. So they have huge, huge shoes to fill. There could be some growing pains. And you look at those first four games. In those first four games, you've got to play Utah and Texas, both of which could be potentially top 10 teams this season. If they just split those and they're two and two, then you're look and you and, and right before your bye, you got to play Texas Tech, which that might be a big game for us if we bet either one of these teams, Baylor and Texas yeah. Tech, the way we want to. That could whoever wins that probably uh, gets the over in their book, but I just worry really uh, about that running the ball. But then again, if they can get back to that type of level of, of defense, they're going to be in just about every game that they play. But for right now leaning uh, towards uh, taking the under seven and a half. Yeah, Baylor and Texas Tech, I, th- I think, are kind of the wild cards in this league. I think Texas Tech is getting a little bit a little bit more hype than Baylor after a, a good first season for Joy McGuire. And it almost feels like the, you know, the Dave Aranda smell has kind of worn off after a, a, a New Year's Six appearance uh, in 2021. All right, uh, speaking of some of the, the good aromas wearing off, let's get to Oklahoma State. <laughs> the, the Cowboys, 6-7 uh, and seven, uh, in 2022, 4-5 and five in the Big 12, a loss to Wisconsin in the guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, a tale of basically two seasons for Oklahoma State, a 5-0 start in 2022, 2-6 and six finish. Struggled to score points. Uh, they scored fewer than 20 points in five of their six losses last year during the regular season. This was a team that was 97th in rushing offense, 49th in scoring offense, 52nd in total offense. And Spencer Sanders is gone. He transfers to Ole Miss. Uh, Redshirt senior Alan Bowman is expected to start. You lose your leading rusher to Baylor, Dominique Richardson. We just talked about him. Uh, the wide receiver unit loses its uh, uh, some some depth. You lose uh, Bryson Green to uh, Wisconsin, Braden Johnson to the NFL, um, and defensively they weren't they were really really bad as we talk about with basically every team in this league. One hundred fifteenth in total defense, one hundred sixth in passing defense, one hundred first in total defense. A new DC for Mike Gundy. Um, Lucas, Mike Gundy, one of the longest tenure coaches in the league, one of those steady programs, a little bit like, a, you know, Wisconsin, like a Utah, Kansas State, 
but certainly a down year for Oklahoma State. They struggled to score in uh, a lot of games, and I think a lot of question marks heading into 2023. I agree, and I was telling you this. Obviously, they played Wisconsin in the bowl game, so I watched a lot of that game, and it just felt like you watch the team, you watch Gundy on the sidelines. It looked like they were just ready just to kind of pack it up, let's show up, and then let's just get the heck out of here. And I don't think it's a great vibe, especially when your defensive coordinator last year, Derek Mason, basically decides he just wants to take a sabbatical from coaching after, <laughs> after last year. And you mentioned you know the losses, Spencer Sanders, and all they have on offense. This was not a good defense last year. Uh, prior to 2021, where they were one of the best units in the country under Jim Knowles, who then leaves for Ohio State. But even their best players on this defense this year are gone. Uh, yeah, they, they only have one returning player in the secondary because uh, Jason Taylor, who is an All-American safety, he's yep. gone. Uh, Mason Cobb, who we talked about with USC, um, he transfers there. Your leading tackler, he's gone. Yep, so, Tyler Lacey, gone. Tyler Lacey gone, and to me, like, these are key contributors. Like, these guys, for a program that has had as much success as Oklahoma, you should not be losing this many good players in one cycle if there's not maybe something going on with the culture, with the locker room. I mean, they brought in some good transfers on the offensive side, like Deshaun Stribling was really, really good wide receiver at Washington State um, to help replace some of those. Arlen Bruce, who was at Iowa, didn't get used much, but I think his skill set will be better in this type of offense. But I, I could just see them having another rebuilding year defensively. Again, they're bringing in their third new, their third coordinator in three years and then replacing still a, a lot of production um, from players that were, that were really, really good. So as you can tell, at least looking at the roster, not super high. On Oklahoma State this year. Oklahoma State is an interesting case study in in betting their over under, right? So the over under is six and a half. Over is minus one twenty four. Under plus one hundred two. Lucas and I talked for five minutes about the losses and the state of the program and rebuilding. But you look at the schedule. The three non conference games are Central Arkansas, South Alabama, at Arizona State. The this is their Big Twelve road schedule: Iowa State, West Virginia, UCF, and Houston. All four of those teams have an over-under of fewer wins than they do. Kansas State, Kansas, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, BYU at home. No Texas, no TCU on the schedule. Kansas State, Kansas, and Oklahoma at home. Because of that, I'm going to take over six and a half wins, and it's, it's really a play on the schedule. They get Arizona State in week two when I think I think they will win that game. But I, I, that's a lot that they could lose. But I see them going 3-0 in the non-conference. And then you just got to get four Big 12 wins. And Iowa State and West Virginia are games I think you'd want on the road. UCF and Houston as well. And you'd want Kansas State, Kansas, and and Oklahoma at home. Um, Do I feel great about it? No. Do I trust Alan Bowman, who's been in college since the Trump administration? (laughs) Like, probably not. I mean, he was probably like... You know, he's he, I'm at, when, when I read the, the words Alan Bowman, I'm like, Alan Bowman's still in college? He's, what the heck's going on? Um, but they have, in my opinion, the most favorable schedule in the Big 12. Yeah. And this is still a team that's a year removed away from playing for a Big 12 championship. 
I'm going to take over. I think seven and five is is a is a likely um, is, is is feasible. I should say. I don't know if it's likely. I think it's feasible. I'm going under. And once again, this is another. I'm not trying to be hot takey or anything. They could have a similar. The vibes I'm getting from this are Herm Edwards vibes at ASU. Wow, interesting. Just with the loss of of talent that they had, the we've seen. Yes, they had that good year two years ago where they were one inch away from winning a Big Twelve title. But this feels like there's been kind of a trend with Oklahoma State. We had, you know, during COVID, you had almost a player mutiny uh, for Mike Gundy. You had guys leaving out before then, and kind of getting tired of kind of his out his kind of outlandish personality. I don't love it. And you talked about yeah, they have to go at ASU. South Alabama is not going to be a slouch game. South Alabama yeah. almost won the Sun Belt last year was one of the top defensive teams in the country. That could be a game that kind of sneaks up on you. I just, yes, the schedule is really, really good, but even if they go six and six, seven and five, I think you have to take a real hard look at this program, but I just don't love the vibes around it. I think when you try to build your team back up with just transfers, I don't think it's necessarily a recipe for success. So I'm going under. I would love to be wrong. I like Oklahoma State a lot, but I just I'm a vibes guy right now, and I don't like the vibes at Oklahoma State. All right, Lucas. Let's get to the UCF Knights. Their first season in the Big Twelve, nine and five in 2022, nine and three in the regular season. A loss in the American Athletic Conference Championship game and a loss to Duke in the Military Bowl. Uh, Lucas, UCF will enter the Big 12 uh, some major transfer portal losses, including wide receiver Ryan O'Keefe, uh, offensive lineman Matt Lee, linebacker Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, cornerback Devontae Brown. You have a new offensive and defensive coordinator. Uh, you do get John Reese Plumley back, over 2,500 passing yards last year, 25 total touchdowns, also led the team in rushing yards with almost 900. One of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the league. Lucas, as we'll get to with the other new entrants into the league, I think there's just a lot of uncertainty with what what is it going to look like for BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston when you're playing a Power 5 schedule, when you're you're going against teams that have very comparable or more talent than you. I think a lot of these teams will come over as some of the more talented teams from the American and BYU being independent. So uh, what are your thoughts on kind of an uncertain and an intriguing 2023 for uh, for UCF? Yeah, I think it's something that UCF has been wanting for a long time. Obviously, since their their national championship season, they've been wanting to get into a Power 5 league. And I think out of the four teams that are joining the Big 12 this year, I do think that UCF has the best chance um, to be the best team out of those four. And I do think them going to a bowl game is a very, very strong possibility. You also mentioned, you already mentioned John Reese Plumley. They... I think offensively, they're still going to be pretty good, even with some of those losses. Uh, they did lose Ryan O'Keefe, but they do bring back their other two top wide receivers in Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson. They both had over 600 yards receiving last year. And even on the offensive line, they, they do have some losses, but do bring in some, I think, really important transfers in Marcellus Marshall uh, at right tackle. He, he was first-team All-Mac at Kent State last year. And also at center to replace Matt Lee, 
they brought in Belia Schmidt, uh, who started over 37 games at Fresno State. And I think their defense will actually be fairly solid, especially on the front seven. They bring back guys like Ricky Barber, Trayvon Morris-Brash, who were first-team All-ACC, along with their leading tackler at linebacker Jason Johnson. I think the biggest thing is, even if their defense maybe regresses a little bit, if they're still maybe top 50 off or top 30 to 40 offensively, maybe top 50 to top 50 or 60 defensively, because you have to suspect that they might regress a little bit just going up against the better talent. I still think UCF um, has the best chance at, at coming out of their first year in the Big 12 um, fairly decent. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's the over-under 6.5, over minus 170, under plus 138 at FanDuel. Home schedule is Kent State, Villanova, and they'll get Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Houston. The road schedule is brutal for UCF. Boise State in week two, Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Texas Tech. That's a really, really challenging road schedule uh, in year one for Gus Malzahn in the Big 12. I'm going to take an under. It's a slight under for me. I'm going to be under I'll, I'll just, you know, for most of the new teams. To be honest, I'm going to go under for um, I'm going to go under for UCF. I think six and six potentially, but man, I'm looking at six true road games, and I mean, you got Texas Tech, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Boise State. Like that's those are five tough, tough road game, um, tough road games for UCF. So I'm going to go under. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. Um, I don't feel great about it because I, I could see them going like 7-5. But you mentioned at Boise State, at Kansas State. All of that is in um, the first month of the season. And like you mentioned, at Kansas, at Oklahoma, at Cincinnati. But even getting, um, you know, they, they do draw Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor. You know, they don't get Texas. But, yeah, I'm going to go – I just think – Offensively, I think they're still going to be pretty good. But like I said, I, I think both sides of the ball regress a little bit because you are going against better talent. That offensive line, though they do have good players on there that they brought in from the transfer, could take a little bit to gel. And like we, we, we've been talking about, even good programs that jump from the group of five tend to really struggle this first year or two. Um, in the Power Five while they get their roster built to handle this. So I'm with you. I'm going to go under six and a half as well. Okay. Uh, let's get to the Kansas Jayhawks. One of the pleasant surprises of 2022, six and seven uh, under Lance Leipold in his second year in Lawrence. Three and six in the Big 12. They lost to Liberty in the uh, lost to Liberty in the uh, AutoZone. I'm sorry. They lost in the Liberty Bowl to Arkansas. My goodness. Um, Lucas, obviously one of the best stories last year. They started 5-0. and A lot of firsts for Kansas. How about this? First time ranked in the AP poll in 675 weeks. The previous 12 seasons before 2022, they won a combined 23 games. Um, they did stumble a little bit down the stretch, went 1-7 and to end the year, including the bowl loss. Uh, four of those losses, I will say, was when Jalen Daniels was injured, but um, he is back. The offense should be dynamic. You get your leading rusher, Devin Neal, back. 98% of your passing, of your receiving yards um, is back. And 
the defense has to improve. But honestly, it's a fun team. Lance Leipold wins everywhere he goes. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on uh, on Kansas? Well, anyone that listens to this podcast and yourself, Ryan, know that I have quite a little bit of a man crush with yep. with Lance Leipold. Um, really, ever since his days at UW Whitewater, and you mentioned it. What a what a fantastic season! The fact that we're celebrating a six and seven season, which in some cases some teams will fire their head coach if they finish that way. It was it was a year to celebrate, and I think the biggest thing is offensively. Just the they went from one of the worst offenses in 2021, 111th in scoring, to 21st last year, and they're going to be ex- just as exciting, if not better, on that side of the ball. Um, you know, Jalen Daniels was a, really a revelation at quarterback. You know, second team All Big 12 last year. Even his backup, Jason Bean, is back after starting the second half of the season when he was injured. So they have really, really good depth, but. Just returning production everywhere. Devin Neal at running back, 1,000-yard rusher. Um, you know, they have one of the best tight ends in Mason Fairchild that's coming back. And you look at the wide, all top eight wide receivers last year. It is, it is kind of funny. They remind me of, you know, we were talking about Duke uh, la- or a couple weeks ago, and they're kind of in the same situation. A, two into a team that kind of came out of nowhere and returned a ton, a ton of returning production. Obviously, the biggest biggest factor for them is defensively as we're talking about with like pretty much every big 12 team the big 12 is really the opposite of the big 10 west where the big 10 west we were always <laughs> talking about like if their offense could only improve yeah. but uh kansas offense last year drastically better their defense was still dreadful uh they were 124th in scoring defense but they also return a lot of guys on that side of the ball like their sack leader Jermaine Robinson but and also they have one of the best corners in the Big 12 in Kobe Bryant so they do return a lot that could be a good thing where they're better experienced they're improved or it could be a bad thing because you're rolling out the same players there but like we said if the offense can kind of keep the pace that it was last year and this defense can maybe be a top 80 or 90-ish unit, I think you're going to see right. an improved team once again. It's it's hilarious for so many of these teams. We've already said, like, if you can just be a top 80 defense, <laughs> you, could, you could win eight or nine games. The uh, These are the points allowed in their seven losses last season. 38, 52, 35, 43, 55, 47, 55. Uh, yeah, they uh, struggled to stop teams down the stretch. Over/under win total is six and a half. The over is plus one twenty-eight. The under minus uh, minus one fifty-eight. Uh, the home schedule for Kansas: they'll get Missouri State and Illinois at home. Uh, they'll get BYU, UCF, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Kansas State at home. Road schedules at Nevada, and then in conference: Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Cincinnati. Over/under six and a half wins for you, Lucas. I'm going over. Uh, just going off the, the background of Lance Leipold, his teams just get better the longer he is there. I don't see their offense really um, really regressing that much. I think the defense gets slightly better. I think that if you do take the over, key game I think is going to be that second week uh, versus Illinois. Who knew two, three years ago that we would be saying that <laughs> Illinois and Kansas would be a very enjoyable and fun game to watch? Really excited for that one. I think that one's even on a Friday night, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So yep. 
uh, Friday Night Lights for that one. But I'm going to go over. Uh, they do kind of get a rough draw with getting Texas, both Oklahoma schools, uh, Texas Tech and Kansas State. Um, but Texas Tech and Kansas State are all at home. So I'm going to go over just because I love the trajectory that this program uh, is moving on. Yeah, I would imagine the conversation surrounding scheduling Illinois-Kansas back when they did, probably like 2015 or whatever, a lot different now with two teams yeah. coming off bowl appearances for the Illini. But, you know, Lucas, you mentioned the schedule. Like, I think getting Illinois week two when they have a new D.C., they have a new quarterback, they lose Chase Brown, like I think that's beneficial. I'm on the over as well. Um, you mentioned the stretch. It's a, it's a four-game stretch. They'll get Texas, UCF. Oklahoma State, a bye week, and then Oklahoma. That's basically the end of September and into uh, mid-October. Um, I, I think the schedule sets up pretty favorably. You get BYU-UCF at home. You get Texas Tech at home. Uh, at Texas, probably a loss. Although, last time they played at Texas, they beat them. So, uh, you also get at Iowa State, at Cincinnati. I think those are winnable road games in the conference. Uh, both those at the end of the season. So, I'm going over as well. I think this will be a seven or eight win team. And I think like you said with Lance Leipold, the teams just get better every year that he is there. Um, all right, let's talk about a team that maybe is a little bit on less of a rosary trajectory. It's the West Virginia Mountaineers. Five and seven in year four under Neil Brown. Uh, Neil Brown, I would say, probably has the hottest seat in the conference. I think Steve Sarkeesian's up there as well. 22 and 25 in four seasons in Morgantown for Neil Brown, 14 and 21 in Big 12 play. Mountaineers were five and seven last year. They were three and six in the Big 12. One of only two teams in the conference to not make a bowl game last year. The other one was Iowa State. Mm -hmm. Iowa State's only Big 12 win was a 31 14 win over West Virginia. So not <laughs> good. Not a good look. JT Daniels is moved on to his fourth team or fifth team or, or whatever, wherever he's at now. Uh, looks like it'll be Garrett Green or redshirt freshman Nico Marchioli uh, will compete for the starting job. You do have all five starters back on the defensive line, three of them over 20 starts. So there is uh, some reason for optimism at West Virginia. They do lose their top four wide receivers to the transfer portal or to the NFL. And Lucas, like we have mentioned for basically every team, the defense has to improve. You were 116th in scoring defense, 111th in passing defense, and 98th in total defense. Uh, I'll throw something different to you out now. Okay. Does Neil Brown make it this season and West Virginia? It's a, is Neil Brown the head coach after Thanksgiving? No. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I, Sorry, Neil. No, I, I don't see the defense – even if the defense gets relatively marginally better, I think they could run the ball, Like, but I think they're going to be extremely one-dimensional offensively, which is not great when you do not have a very good defense. Um, like I like C.J. Donaldson. He blew up in, that, in the backyard brawl the first game of the year last year against Pitt. Um, you know, they also had Justin Johnson. Like you mentioned, offensive line, I think, is going to be really good. It could be potentially one of the best ones in the conference. But you mentioned their top five receivers are gone. Um, you know, they did bring in Devin Carter as a transfer from NC State. He was pretty productive there. But I just don't see the offense matching up. And kind of like the, the vibes at Oklahoma State, it, it feels very similar at West Virginia because they didn't – the AD get fired this past year, too, the one that hired yeah. Neil Brown. 
So that's never a great sign. So no, I, I do not think he's going to be the, the coach um, after Thanksgiving. Yeah, the over-under for West Virginia is 5.5. The over is plus 148. The under, minus 188. Uh, Out-of-conference schedule is not what you want if you're Neil Brown in West Virginia. you got to play Pittsburgh and Duquesne at home and at Penn State week one. Not great. Uh, you also have five Big 12 road games, TCU, Houston, UCF, Oklahoma, and Baylor. At home, you get Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, BYU, and Cincinnati. I'll be quick here. It's an under for me. This feels like a Scott Frost situation. Um, You look at West Virginia, they get Penn State and Pittsburgh in September. You get TCU in September. It could easily be done there. I mean, you could probably start one and four. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this is like these are their first five games. Penn State, Duquesne, Pitt, Texas Tech, TCU. You could be one and four, and you're probably done after that if you're Neil Brown. So it's an under for me. Yeah, under for me, for exactly how you said. Would not be surprised if he's if he's gone at that bye week. Uh, all right, kind of a bleak picture if you're <laughs> Sorry, probably our bleakest team yet we've done in these 20-plus yeah. teams we've done in the previews. All right, let's get to a team that was uh, kind of a, a disappointing team in 2022. It's the Iowa State, uh, the other Big 12 team not to make a bowl game. Matt Campbell's squad was 4-8. and eight. One and eight in the Big 12. The only win, like we said, was come uh, came against West Virginia. Uh, a new offensive coordinator, Nate Shieldhouse, promoted from wide receivers coach. Uh, one thing I wrote down on my list for Iowa State is the uh, is the shine off on Matt Campbell. He's 32 and 31 in seven seasons. This is a guy that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Was on every you know coaching board for kind of the the, the brightest stars in the profession. He had interview with NFL jobs. He, Every big job in the Midwest, it was talked about, is, is Matt Campbell uh, a candidate for this? I was just listening to, and we, and we didn't touch on Pat Fitzgerald, but, you know, listening to the, the Cover 3 guys bring up candidates for Northwestern, they were like, could Matt Campbell be a, a candidate at Northwestern? Feels like a big year for Matt Campbell. Feels like, mm-hmm. a, you know, one year at 4-8 and eight can kind of be a blip in the radar. Back-to-back years missing a bowl game is, is not what you want for momentum for your program they lost so much off of that 2021 team. I saw this stat last season. Um, Iowa State last year averaged 3.3 yards per carry. And in 2022, Iowa State as a team rushed for fewer yards than Brees Hall did by himself in 2021. <laughs> you lost Brees Hall. You lost Brock Purdy. They lost a lot from that 2021 team. They were last in the Big 12 in scoring offense, total offense, and rushing offense. Uh, you lose Xavier Hutchinson. Um, I, 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 I am in a little bit torn on what to do here with Iowa State. So why don't you give me your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I just don't uh, initially, I'm not as ble- I'm not as bleak on them as I am with West Virginia because at least Matt Campbell has a history. I mean, before last year, they had gone to bowl games in five straight years, which I don't believe had ever been done at Iowa State and you look at it last year even with how abysmal their offense they, they're like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast this this is the reverse Big 12 team their offense was terrible and their defense was terrific but yep. even despite that six of their eight losses were still by one possession they were still in every single game which it feels like happens every year since Matt Campbell was there and like you said I just don't think Iowa State is at that position as a program where you lose really generational players that have come through that you mentioned Brock Purdy, Charlie uh, Collier, Brees Hall, that I just don't think they have the, the recruiting prowess yet 
to just automatically replace those guys or even to replace them by committee. But I do think there is some things to look forward to. One, they did bring in a new offensive coordinator, Nathan Shieldhouse, which makes me feel old because I remember him playing at Illinois back in the day um, yep. to hopefully bring some things. I do think Hunter Deckers will be a good quarterback. Uh, he has the arm talent, just turns the ball over way too often, but still threw for over uh, you know, 300 yards. But 3,000. 3,000. Um, 300 would be a very poor season. Um, but, um, but yeah, an offensive line should be one of the better ones they have. They got four starters back. Not sure who they're going to throw the ball to, um, with uh, Xavier Hutchinson, uh, gone, but, uh, defensively, even though they did lose, you know, Will McDonald is gone and Jay Anderson. I think this still is going to be, they've been a great defense pretty much year in and year out, no matter who is there. And so I do think they are going to figure out, I think four and eight was a blip on the radar, I'm not saying they're going to win the Big 12, but I do think they're going to get back to a bowl game this season. Yeah, spoiler alert, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Just some numbers on the defense. Uh, number four in the country in total defense, number 10 in passing defense. No quarterback threw for more than 250 yards last year against Iowa State, which is nuts when you mm-hmm. look at all the offenses in the Big 12 conference. Uh, the secondary should be really good with TJ Tampa, back with uh, Miles Purchase. They're, they should be the starting cornerback, second leading tackler. Um, Bo Frailer is back as well with Jeremiah Cooper at safety. So the defense, even though you lose Will McDonald, who went top 15 in the draft to, to the Jets, I think should still be pretty good. Over-under at FanDuel is 5.5. Pretty even odds both ways. Over minus 115, under minus 105. Uh, out of conference schedule for Iowa State, Northern Iowa, Iowa at home, and Ohio on the road. They will play four conference home games, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas, Texas. They'll go on the road at Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Baylor, BYU, and Kansas State. I'm going to take over five and a half. I I just think I trust Iowa State to play enough good football to get back to a bowl game. I think 3-0 in the non-conference isn't out of the question. I I don't know if they beat Iowa, but they beat them last year in Iowa City. They get them at home this year. Um, so I think if you can get 3-0 and or 2-1 and in the non-conference, I, I could see 3-4 or even 5 Big 12 wins. So it's, it's, an, it's an over for me. Yeah, same for me. Over, I think that was a blip on the radar. I think they rebound to at least 6-6, six and 7-5 six, this season. All right, the Cincinnati Bearcats here. We're going we're gonna to round things out with the three remaining teams are all new members to the Big 12 conference. We'll start with Cincinnati. Nine and three regular season for the Bearcats. A loss in the Fenway Bowl to Louisville in the Scott Satterfield Bowl. Um, The big thing for Cincinnati is you are going to see some new faces for the Bearcats, uh, including that head coach Luke Fickle gone to Wisconsin. They bring in Scott Satterfield from Louisville. Uh, Lucas should be pretty happy hearing these numbers. Cincinnati, the last six seasons, fifty-seven wins two American Athletic Conference championships, one trip to the playoff, 19 draft picks. Truly a, a, I think, the top group of five program, I would say, over the last five years. The only G5 team to make the playoff. They did that in 2021. Um, But lots to replace, right? You lose Ben Bryan, a quarterback. He transferred. They took 20 transfers in 2023. You have one full-time starter back on the offensive line. You have two draft picks gone at wide receiver. Your top two rushing, your top two running backs are gone. One to the portal, one to the NFL. 
Ooh, all right. Um, a defense that was pretty good in 2022, top 30 in total defense, but um, the over-under win total is set pretty low. It's also at five and a half. But before we get to that, Lucas, just kind of your thoughts on Cincinnati, uh, another new face in, in the conference. Yeah, so we were talking about kind of how I think UCF is going to be the best out of the four new teams this year. I think Cincinnati's going to be the worst, which is crazy because they've arguably been – the best group of five team over the what past four or five seasons. But yep. like you mentioned, just a complete rebuild job on offense, a whole new coaching staff. The fact that Emory Jones is probably going to be your starter. Look, Emory Jones isn't terrible, but you could do a lot worse, but it doesn't raise huge I, I don't know if you could do much worse at the power. I, I'll be honest. I watched Emory Jones play last year at ASU. It's true. And, and, you know, granted, ASU last year was dysfunctional. And the coaching staff was not even trying. So maybe we'll get a better Emory Jones. That was not a power five quarterback. The fact that he is projected to be a starting quarterback, not good. No, I, I would much rather throw Brady Dogosh, their uh, four-star true freshman out there. And I wouldn't be shocked if he gets playing time towards the end of the year. But they, you mentioned the receivers, right? They also lost four starters on the offensive line, which is not great when you're upping your talent. Defensively, they could be okay. Um I really like uh, Brian Brown, the defensive coordinator he brought from Louisville. Louisville was really good defensively last year, much improved defensive unit. They led, uh, uh, they I think they led the country in sacks last season at Louisville, and he's got a couple studs on the D-line in both Jawan Briggs and Deontay Corleone, who could wreak a lot of havoc. And so he has tools there, but they also have to replace the whole secondary. Uh, Jaquan Shepard. Juan Bush, both transferred out. I believe I know Jaquan Shepard's now playing. Um, I believe for Kentucky, but so it's it's a tough. This feels like a complete rebuild job, and it was probably the worst timing for them to be entering in a new conference. You look at them last year; they're probably like, "Hey, we got Luke Fickle. We have all this momentum. We're going to be a Power Five team." Before right. he left, they had a top thirty recruiting class coming in, and uh, it's. I think it's going to be a tough, tough year for for Cincinnati. I think this is a complete rebuild job that Scott Satterfield's walked into. I would agree here. The over-under, five-and-a-half wins. Over is plus 132. Under is minus 62. Out-of-conference schedule for Cincinnati's Eastern Kentucky, Miami of Ohio at home, and at Pittsburgh. The home schedule in conference is Oklahoma, Iowa State, Baylor, UCF, and Kansas. On the road, they'll get BYU, Oklahoma State, Houston, and West Virginia. Uh, I'm on the under as well. I think, like Lucas said, uh, to me, this could be one of the worst teams in the league. The offense should be should be pretty bad. And listen, defensively, they've been solid the last couple of years. They finished 29th in total defense last year, 20th in scoring defense. Again, a lot of those guys are gone. They have seven transfers just in this in the secondary, essentially. Um, so, I'm going to take the under five and a half wins for Cincinnati. Yeah, same. Okay. Uh, I, the later we get in the pod, like if we agree with each other, we're just like, yep, same. Let's same. Just, just keep on through. All right, two more here. Uh, BYU, uh, eight and five in 2022, a victory over SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, like Cincinnati, replacing a lot. They will lose their top receiver, uh, Puka Nakao. They will lose their top running back, Chris Brooks, who had almost 900 yards last year. Jaron Hall is gone. Kadon Slovis steps in at quarterback, uh, the transfer from Pittsburgh. It's a defense that ranked 94th last year in total defense, 98th against the run, 97th in scoring defense. 
Um, Kalani Sataki, listen, this has been one of the better programs. BYU's been solid, seven, eight, nine wins every year. I think, like Cincinnati, could be a tough year one for them in the Big 12. Yeah, I think especially, like you mentioned, the, the issues they had defensively, but they lose a ton on the offensive side of the ball. Jaron Hall, their starting quarterback, is now off to the NFL. I don't think Kadan Slovis is a great upgrade. I think that's a slight downgrade from what you had a year ago. Um, not Both your, your top two rushes are gone. Now, they did add Aiden Robbins, who I think is an intriguing transfer, had over 1,000 yards at UNLV last year. Uh, but the offensive line uh, could be rough. Uh, I think five, they have five starters who started games last year are now gone. Um, so it could be an issue. And like we said, will the defense get much better? They brought in a ton of transfers like uh, AJ, uh, Vo, I think it's Vogue Pink uh, Pecan, um, had you know played at Utah State last year, had 10 and a half tackles for loss. Um, at that linebacker group. They do return their top two tacklers from a year ago in Ben Bywater and Max Tooley. So maybe you see some uh, advancement there. They brought over Jay Hill, who is the head coach at Weber State, um, to take over that defense. But, yeah, like I said, the, a total rebuild job on both of these things, and we're going to kind of see it with Houston too. But probably the worst time to enter a conference is when you're having major roster turnover, and that's exactly what's happening with both BYU and Cincinnati. Yeah, only 12 takeaways and 15 sacks in 2022, a lot of the reason why they have a new defensive coordinator. Schedule for BYU, they'll get Sam Houston and Southern Utah at home. They'll go at Arkansas to round out their non-conference. In conference, they'll host Cincinnati, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Oklahoma which I actually think is a pretty favorable home draw, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, on the road, Kansas, TCU, Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Four and a half wins is the over-under at FanDuel. The over is minus 188. The under is plus 152. Uh, what is your, uh, what's your prediction? Oh, man. I kind of, I went back and forth in this one. I'm Five go wins up. doesn't seem like a lot, right? I mean, it just no. doesn't, right? You're probably going to get two out of conference, Sam Houston and Southern Utah. You get Cincinnati at home. You get West Virginia on the road. I would love to know when that game is. Stand by. Uh, that game is November, November 4th. 4th. Yes. So who knows? So the schedule is not terrible, but I'll, I'll let you go first. I'm going to go under. Uh, under. I think I think I'm going to be going under for all four of these teams entering the, entering the Big 12. But yeah. you mentioned – I. They might be three and two before that bye. Um, I don't see them knocking off at Arkansas and at Kansas. But then I think TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas are going to be three of the top teams in this league. Uh, and you have to play those guys three straight. I, it's just going to be tough. And then you end it with the two Oklahoma schools with a tough Iowa State sandwich in between there. Yeah, I'm going to go under. Um, just once again, I just don't like the fact that this team – is rebuilding itself pretty much on one side of the ball and the one side they weren't, they were not very good last year. So under for me. Yeah. It's five wins. I think in today's college football isn't out of, isn't really hard to get. So this isn't a for sure under, even though you look at the roster, it probably should be, but I'm also taking the under, I I just think four and eight, three and nine, I think is, is decently realistic uh, for them. All right, let's run out the big 12. It's the Houston Cougars. 7-5 7-5 and five in the regular season last year in the American. They beat Louisiana in the Independence Bowl to go 8-5. and five. Um, One interesting thing about Houston, 
supernatural fit in this conference. Mm-hmm. They only leave the state of Texas twice this season. They'll go at UCF and Kansas State. It was a dynamic offense last year led by quarterback Clayton Thune, who's in the NFL now. Thune was their leading rusher at 546 yards, also threw for over 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, completed almost two-thirds of his – over two-thirds of his passes. Um, Houston loses – 10 offensive linemen from 2022, which seems like just a fake number that I read. Um, questions on running back. You lose your top receiver to the uh, to the NFL tank, Dell, and a, uh, a defense that was not very good last year, 112th in scoring defense. Um, quickly here as we wrap up, your, uh, your thoughts on Houston. Once again, it's kind of a similar story with Cincinnati and BYU. Really, all, like, all three of these teams, I mean, UCF maybe less than the other ones, but these three teams, it could be tough sledding for them. Yeah, because like you mentioned, like complete, they were good offensively last year. Complete rebuild on that. They even have to replace you know their offensive coordinator, Shannon Dawson, left for Miami. Miami. So you're going to have uh, Dana Holgerson is apparently taking over play calling, which um, will be interesting. But like you said, and – and big-time producers. You know, Clayton Thune was the best quarterback, arguably, in the AAC last year, one of them. Uh, Tank Dell was um, just a playmaker everywhere. And their offensive line, you mentioned 10 losses. A couple of those guys, including uh, Cameron Johnson, who was a first-team first all-conference, left after the spring. So they had him during spring ball, and then he entered the portal. And you mentioned the defense, and this was a unit two years ago, was a top-20 defense. I remember Doug Belk, their defense coordinator, was one of the more uh, up-and-coming assistants in the country, and then they were absolutely terrible last year. And this is on top of they lose eight of their nine tacklers. So, yeah, kind of the same deal where it just feels like these teams are just rebuilding their rosters at the worst possible time. Not to say that it was purposefully they did that, it's just kind of the timing of things. But Houston Houston would have been a much better team to come into the Big 12, I think, last year than this year. And I, I can kind of see the same fate with them as we can with BYU and Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, listen, Houston's won 20 games the last few years combined, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were 12, and, you know, 12 wins in 21, 8 wins in 22. So some success there. Um, but, a lot, I mean, Clayton Thune, they really have a question mark at quarterback. It's either going to be Lucas Coley or Texas Tech transfer Donovan Smith. Um, that battle hasn't been decided yet. Let's get to their schedule here real quick. Their over-under is 4.5, over minus 134, under plus 110. Home schedule is UTSA, Sam Houston, in-conference, West Virginia, TCU, Texas, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. On the road, they'll play Rice, which is, I guess, a road game, but both are in the city of Houston, so whatever. Uh, They'll also (laughs) play Texas Tech, Kansas State, Baylor, UCF. I'm going to take the under. I, I just I, I don't know if this offense is going is going to be very good. Um, and defensively, they were really bad last year, and they lost um, a good amount off this defense. So I'm going to go under. I, I just I don't know if five or six wins is in the cards. Yeah, I'm under as well because even look at their non-conference. UTSA is not Frank Harris coming back. They are not going to be a slouch to play that that first game especially which like we mentioned the defensive issues that houston has had and with the offensive rebuilding so yeah under as well for me i think we went under on all four of the uh newcomers um so i hope they prove us wrong yeah no we'll see it'll be interesting all right do you want to do real quick big 12 championship game uh prediction we forgot to do it with the with the acc um 
I know we're both pretty high on Texas. It feels like it should be Texas versus blank. Mm -hmm. And look at the teams in the running. It's Kansas State. It's Oklahoma. It's am I having I'm having a hard time. Is it Oklahoma? Is it TCU who loses everybody? Like who if if you had to say right now, who's the second best team in this conference? Kansas. No, I'm just kidding. It could be Kansas. It could be. It could be. I would love it. I, I mean, could you imagine? Yeah. Is it Texas Tech? It, it could be. Um, it could be. There are like five or six teams that I think you could make an argument for after Texas. Oklahoma is probably the logical choice because I think they're the most talented team after Texas. But if I have to pick, um, I thought long and hard about this. I was down to two teams. It was Texas Tech and picking TCU again. I just want to go straight fun, baby, and I'm going to take Texas Tech versus wow. Texas in the Big 12 championship game with Texas winning the Big 12. Yeah, give me Texas-Kansas State. Um, I'm going to just going to bank on solid, you know, blue-collar, Chris Kleiman, Will Howard. They, they get their quarterback back. I don't love playing eight straight games with a, with a week five bye mm-hmm. week, but I don't love losing Deuce Vaughn, but I, I just think this program is solid. They're well-coached. They know who they are. Um, and there's a lot of programs that I don't know if they know that, right? I don't know if Oklahoma knows who it is. I don't know if Oklahoma State can do it. I don't know if, if Kansas is quite ready yet. So I'm going to take Kansas State to be like a 9-3, and 8-4, and four, like a team that could legit be 6-3 and three and win some tiebreakers. And, and I think Texas, this should be the year. If mm-hmm. Texas doesn't win the Big 12, it will be as big of a disappointment as any team not winning its conference. Yes. It just has to Great. be. Like this is your mm-hmm. year. Because we've talked about all 14 of these teams, and besides Texas, there's just not one that's in their same ballpark. They shouldn't. Texas should win. Texas should lose one conference game max this season, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So Yeah, I agree. Right. I mean, the only one they're not going to be heavy favorites in is probably Oklahoma, and that's it. And they beat Oklahoma by 49 points last year. <laughs> yes. Now, Oklahoma yeah. lost Dylan Gabriel in that game, but yes. still. Yeah. So, all right, any other final words on the uh, on the Big 12? Uh, happy to go to the Big Twelve. Yeah, a lot of offense. Um, I, I'm interested to see which one of those four newcomers prove us wrong. We're not very high on either of them. Interested to see which one of those do surprise. But it feels like we have a clear front runner in Texas. It wouldn't shock me, like you mentioned, if you have a, a handful of teams that are nine and three, eight and four after them, and then it's not going to shock me if you have two or three teams that are just really really bad that the other teams kind of beat up on so i'm very very uh intrigued as always to see uh the big 12 um play out all right that's gonna do it for us uh we'll be back next week with another conference preview thank you all for tuning in we know these are long ones but we really appreciate it for lucas roadie i'm ryan baffle lucas have a good night everyone stay frosty